Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at at First first listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The cheerleaders at a gym in Buffalo have been recording themselves. What's up? To make a new documentary. We're the so-called news reporters. Because one year ago, a mass shooting changed their lives. He just walked around and shot all the black people. The cheer squad, most of whom are black, had to figure out how to go on and how to compete. I wanted the win for them more than anything this season. Listen to the Embedded podcast from NPR within the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Carol Fisher, and I'm hosting a podcast called The Girlfriends. It's Las Vegas, it's the 1990s, and it is time to find a husband. There were four Jewish doctors who were felt to be eligible bachelors. One of them was Bob Berenbaum. On paper, he was perfect, but in reality... This guy is a wacko. He choked her to the point she went unconscious. I would call him and I would say, I know you killed my sister. You can listen to The Girlfriends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From iHeart Podcasts and Nomadic Engine, the acclaimed dramatic thriller returns. Aftershock, season two. He's like a ghost. We had an agreement to keep each other's secrets. None of you are making decisions to keep the rest of us safe, which leaves me. I'm asking for your forgiveness. Aftershock, season two. Starring Sarah Wayne Callies, David Harbour, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Listen to Aftershock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Will Daly. For years, I've been on the road playing shows and seeing America through live music. This summer, I'll hit the stage with season two of Sound of Our Town. Ten cities, 12 episodes, every other Thursday. 
We explore the live music venues and culture of a new American city with each new episode. Our tour continues into the kind of venues you want to get to when you land in Detroit, Providence, Denver, or Seattle. Listen to Sound of Our Town on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rita Newcomb is somebody we've known about since the arrests were made in this case back in November of 2018. And Rita is Angela Wagner's mother. She claimed that Angela told her that if you don't do this, they're going to hurt me. Can you imagine your daughter is basically begging you not to turn her in? And then you come to find out that she's essentially bringing you into a a murder investigation and leaving you under the bus. You know, a lot of times in this case, it feels like they're doing more to convict Jake and Angela than they are George. Regarding custody of his son, what did he want you to do? Get custody. This is The Pikes and Massacre, Season 4, Episode 16, Relevancy. I'm Courtney Armstrong, a television producer at KT Studios with Stephanie Lidecker and Jeff Shane. We're picking up after last episode's testimony from Chris Newcomb, Angela Wagner's half-brother and uncle to George and Jake Wagner. On the stand now is Chris Newcomb's partner, Miranda Hughes. She opted out of video recording but allowed audio recording of her testimony. It's important to note that George Wagner IV has pleaded not guilty on all counts, as has his father, Billy Wagner, whose trial is upcoming. Thank you, Your Honor. The state would call Ms. Randa Hughes to stand. Good morning. How are you? Nervous. <laughs> Very. We, we get that a lot from that chair. Miranda opted out of being videotaped, but allowed her verbal testimony to be recorded. Randa echoed much of Chris Newcomb's testimony about Jake and George Wagner's disconcerting die job. Were there any conversations about that at that time, when you saw them with their hair dyed? Yes. And what was that? Well, that, why did they do it? <laughs> and Jake said he wanted to look like, I think his name's Norman Reed's. Norman Reedus? Yeah. I told him he was far from that. <laughs> but both Jake and George had their hair dyed? Yes. Okay. And did you know who dyed their hair? Angela. And after the homicides, did that fact that they had dyed their hair cause you to think something? Yes. Okay. And what was that? Made me worry. Why? Because why would you change your appearance and then something like that happened? Randa also backed up Chris's claims about George's desire for a Glock pistol. Was there ever a time where um, you were present for um, helping to obtain a, a 40 caliber Glock for George? Yes. Sure. Okay. Well, I'm going to overrule the objection, but let the answer stand. But we do have to avoid leading questions. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, uh, he asked Chris if he knew of anybody that had a Glock. And Chris said that he didn't know of anybody at the moment, but that he could look for him. And when Chris found one, I think George wanted it, so we met up with the guy. 
but George wanted us to go because Chris had been the one talking to him. Okay. And did you accompany uh, Chris yes. on that day? Okay. And do you remember where you met up with this individual? I don't know exactly where. I just know it was a park and ride. Randa also made some revealing statements about how George and Jake asked her and Chris Newcomb to secure custody of their kids in case they went to prison. After the Wagners were charged in these offenses, um, did they want you and Chris to do certain things? Yes. Regarding custody of his son, what did he want you to do? Get custody. Get custody. Okay. And how do you know that? Because they asked. Okay. Well, George asked. Okay. George asked, and did anybody else ask you to Yes. Who else? Angela and Jake. Okay. They all three asked you guys to try to get custody of and Yes. Correct. And did you get an attorney to do that? Yes. But once the Wagners were arrested, Chris and Randa abandoned their custody efforts. Here's Stephanie and Jeff. This is the very first time I'm personally hearing that George and Angela and Jake wanted Chris and Randa to be the guardians of the children. And of course, you know, if you're getting arrested and going away for murder, you would want your close family member to have custody of your child. But, you know, at least one of the children, George's in this case, had a mom who could have raised him. That being said, though, George had told Chris and Randa that he wanted them to have custody And they were apparently pushing for that until they actually met Tabby and realized that she was not who George had made her out to be. She was actually a good mom and a nice person. And George's son had a nice life with her. So they dropped any efforts to get custody of the children after Jake, George, and Angela and Billy were finally arrested. And for whatever reason, the Wagners believed that they were the only people who could raise their children and the only people that should be raising their children But it seems like ultimately Chris and Randa disagreed. And I still don't think we're getting the full explanation as to why that is, other than that the Wagners simply wanted to control these children. Forensic investigator Joseph Scott Morgan sheds light on the place of Randa Hughes' testimony in the trial. With Hughes, you know, she kind of had an insight into their world that not not many other people had. I think, you know, you kind of get to uh, to peek under the covers a little bit with her. You got to see kind of some of the insights as it applied to custody issues and the kids. And, you know, that was the big thing, you know, because that, that goes to motive, I think. And we have to understand that I think a lot of people are mistaken when they think about prosecution. Prosecution does not have proved motive. That's not what the purpose of this is. However, it does go to getting a feel for what the family dynamic was like of the familial environment. I think that that's very significant. And, you know, as thrilled as we get about hearing people talk about forensics and getting down into the nuts and bolts of things, I don't think that it is as significant as, you know, being able to get a peek into this world. In his cross, defense attorney Richard Nash tried to pin the fascination with The Walking Dead on Jake. He was the one who modeled his killings after the show's lead character, not George, the man on trial. And there was some discussion, speaking of hair color, um, Jake had told you that I think he wanted to look like Norman Reedus. Yes. 
And Norman Reedus, is he the main character in The Walking Dead? He's kind of one of the main characters okay. of The Walking Dead, yes. All right. And uh, Jake had a fascination with Norman? Yes. <laughs> okay, I saw you really give me a positive response to that. Um, and you've watched The Walking Dead, right? Yes, okay. I have. And uh, so your familiarity with the movie. Yes. How do, you, how do you kill a zombie? They shoot him in the head. The jury also heard about the tattoos that Billy, George, and Jake got after the murders. Jake got one of flaming pistols on his upper arms. Billy and George's were a bit more problematic. Again, Anjanette. After the homicides, you know, about a month and a half later or so, June of 2017, he and Jake and George went and they got tattoos. Billy's tattoo is a scorpion with eight notches on it. And the prosecution thinks that that holds some significance. We have eight victims in this case, and a scorpion, which can be fatal, is on his right finger, which could be his trigger finger if he's right-handed. And he, he's he got this tattoo with, you know, signifying something that can be deadly on his hand. George, on the other hand, has something that's an eight ball inside a skeleton's mouth with some aces on the sides, uh, you know, playing cards, aces. I'm not, you know, I don't know if that's a coincidence. I don't, obviously the prosecution feels like it's significant and it's relevant that the number eight is common in these tattoos. A scorpion with eight abdominal segments, a skull biting down on an eight ball, eight rodents dead. Some people see the correlation, others wonder why it's admissible. It's kind of strange because we, I guess the judge is letting the jury look at this and see if it's relevant. I mean, it's up to the jury to determine whether or not the tattoos are relevant. I'm not sure, you know, I could see the scorpion being relevant, possibly the eight ball in the skeleton's mouth. I think we just have to wait to see how the testimony plays out. Joseph Morgan is more dubious. I would have said that years ago, the tattoos may have carried more weight, I think. I'm recalling in my mind, you know, uh, you know, being, for instance, in the morgue, I, I remember a couple of cases where I had people who were legitimately folks that had worked as assassins in prison. They wind up dying when they finally get on the outside and they have the teardrop tattoos. You know, you always knew that when somebody that had committed a homicide, you had pachuco crosses on their hands that, you know, these little crosses with the little radiating lines that, you know, you can tell somebody's a drug dealer or an arms dealer or they're an assassin. They used to tell these tales. But, you know, the problem is people use tattoos now to try to create an image for themselves. Maybe you could get a tattoo expert to pop up on stand and say, oh, yeah, based on the structure of this thing, this is generally associated with people that are, uh, you know, involved in this type of behavior, particularly if you're talking about gangs and whatnot. But, you know, you can say that all day long. I mean, I've seen some pretty horrific things, images of these tattoos that people walk around in public with. They don't make them a killer. It just means that they've got an interest in this <laughs> this interesting art that they're willing to put on their body and display to the rest of the world. But that, that doesn't make you a, a perpetrator in a homicide. The jury also heard heart-stirring testimony from Rita Newcomb, Angela Wagner's mother, and Jake and George's grandmother. Newcomb declined video or audio recording of her testimony. 
Petite with dirty blonde hair, Newcomb is a devout Christian who wrestled with her daughter's actions after the murders. Stephanie and Jeff. Rita was in tears when she testified about how she initially lied to investigators to protect her daughter and quote her grandbabies. But then she soon came clean because of her faith in God. And of course, once the Wagners became actual suspects. Steph, what I find interesting is that Rita Newcomb falsely told agents with the Ohio BCI that she had signed these custody documents involving George and Jake's children as a notary public. Rita basically testified in court saying that Angela said to her, look, mom, if you don't admit this, they're going to really hurt me and possibly even kill me. And that's a brutal spot to be in. Can you imagine your daughter is basically begging you not to turn her in? And then you come to find out that she's essentially bringing you into a a murder investigation and leaving you under the bus. She continues to describe the worst days of her life were the eight days that she spent behind bars. Again, forensic expert Joseph Scott Morgan. I think that Rita being in the midst of this just titanic storm. There's part of me, if you can, if anybody can feel kind of sorry for anybody that's been associated with with these horrible deeds, I think that, you know, I would list probably more toward Rita Newcomb in this. Um, you know, she's involved in this with her child. She's borne witness to everything Angela's ever been involved in. I think that most parents would try to do anything that they possibly could in order to to help their child. I think early on that people assumed that this was a broad ranging conspiracy and immediately they associated Rita with it, that she was part and parcel. They almost had her sitting at the kitchen table. Now, I just, I just don't see that, that that was the case, you know, relative to, to, to these homicides. And if we are to believe that, that Angela is the controlling person, you know, this manipulative, you know, kind of, Sengali-like character that, you know, has sway over the entire family and how things are going to be done. If Angela is that person, did Rita perceive her daughter as maybe potentially, you know, going to do harm to her or she would have somebody do harm to her? And that's what makes that all the more ominous. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. I'm Carol Fisher, and I'm hosting a podcast called The Girlfriends. Back in the 1990s in Las Vegas, a few of us dated the most eligible bachelor in town, Bob. He spoke several languages. He did medical missionary work, and he was Jewish. He was perfect on paper. But he wasn't. He really wasn't. He choked her to the point she went unconscious. Bob could lie about anything. It only takes the one time and somebody ends up dead. Unfortunately for Bob, us girlfriends know how to fight back. I wanted him to pay for his crime. He needed to be put to justice. I'll be honest with you, if I saw him right now, I'd spit on him. I would call him and I would say, I know you killed my sister. I will always hound you and haunt you. You can listen to The Girlfriends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here, host of Revisionist History, a show about the overlooked and the misunderstood. Stories you won't hear anywhere else. Like our ongoing obsessive campaign to blow up the world's most bogus college ranking system. 
Why not? Just throw in a few extra zeros. <laughs> or witness me after years of fancy public speaking, learning that I kind of have to start over. The tone that you had throughout the debate was very similar to some of the students that I do work with. Um, and that's what I teach them not to do. We're making more revisionist history for you this year than ever from places all across this great country. Emergency rooms, huge theaters, small towns, and shooting ranges. And you want to put your thumb up like this. Now you're going to pull the trigger with this finger mm -hmm. here, okay? Listen to Revisionist History on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From iHeart Podcasts. What in the hell is going on in here? Everyone has their limits. I'd never confronted a situation like this. I just thought it was just a really terrible, immoral thing. A line they won't cross. I was stunned, and I just said, no. We're killing people. You may never have to face that decision. When you find yourself at that line. Thoughts racing, hearts racing. And somebody needs to just, for once, give everybody the whole truth. I'm like, this is evil. And the only person who can sound the alarm is you. I wasn't just going to sit silently by. From iHeart Podcasts, these are the whistleblowers. If you are disloyal, bad things are going to happen. If you speak out, disgrace to our country, evil pay. He should be prosecuted. When power corrupts, conscience is the last line of defense. I'm Miles Taylor. Listen to The Whistleblowers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name's Laverne Cox. I'm an actress, producer, fashionista, and host of The Laverne Cox Show. You may remember my award-winning first season. I've been pretty busy, but there's always time to talk to incredible guests about important things. People like me have been screaming for years. We've got to watch the Supreme Court. What they're doing is wrong. What they're doing is evil. They will take things away. And I can only hope that Dobbs is that, like, Pearl Harbor moment. Girl, you and I both know what it took to just get through the day in New York City and get home in one piece. And so the fact that we're here and what you've achieved and what I've achieved, you know, that's momentous. It's not just us sitting around complaining about some bills. The only reason that you might think, as Chase said, that we're always miserable is because people are constantly attacking us and we're constantly noticing it. Listen to The Laverne Cox Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share. Rita Newcomb spoke extensively about her family's legacy of abuse. Again, Long Crimes and Jeanette Levy. Rita Newcomb is somebody we've known about since the arrests were made in this case back in November of 2018. And Rita is Angela Wagner's mother. She claimed that Angela told her that, you know, if you don't, if you don't do this, they're going to hurt me. We never got a clarification on who they are but she said, they will hurt me if you don't say you did this. She also talked about how, you know, she had been married to Angela's father, of course, Ed Carter, and he was abusive to both of them. I mean, physically abusive. And Angela uh, had actually gone into the Air Force at 18. It's, she wanted to get away from, you know, her dad and this whole thing. And we found out that Angela left the Air Force early, um, allegedly, because she was sexually assaulted and it was never 
investigated or reported, according to Rita. I find it interesting given the fact that the motive for these murders allegedly was protecting and this fear that the little girl might be molested. So it makes you wonder, is that where this concern about sexual assault or sexual abuse, where it originated, was with Angela's time in the Air Force? So I guess we'll find out as the case progresses. But she talked about not liking Billy Wagner. I would think that seeing a woman who's 70 plus sitting up there crying and reliving this and admitting to lying for her daughter, I would think the jury would take that very seriously. But again, this is George's trial, not not Angela's trial. But still, it paints a picture. You know, it seems like Angela Wagner has just been painted as the ultimate villain in this story, uh, in this trial. I mean, nobody, nobody says anything nice about Angela Wagner in this case. The jury also heard from two BCI forensics experts. One was Special Agent Brian White, who searched the Wagner's property in June of 2017. He is now a lieutenant with the Madison County Sheriff's Office in Central Ohio. Special Prosecutor Andrew Wilson questioned him on the stand. In a nice, loud voice, can you introduce yourself again to the jury? My name is Brian White. I'm a lieutenant with the Madison County Sheriff's Office. When you were out there searching that area of 260 Peterson Road, June 14th, June 15th, 2017, did ultimately you find pieces of evidence that uh, you collected and took into custody? Yes, we did. And June 14th, June 15th, during that search, did you also have Matt White out there uh, with you who was from the lab? Yes, we did. Okay. And explain what his role was or what he did that day. Whenever, we, if we would find something that was firearms related uh, through sifting, whether that be a casing, a bullet or what, whatever, uh, Matt would take a look at it and then he would put it in. Uh, he would basically separate them out into uh, different characteristics or calibers or whatever. Okay. I'm going to hand you what's been marked for identification purposes, a state's exhibit SS5. Can you tell us what's in a state's exhibit SS5? That's a fire cartridge case, 223 caliber, collected June 14th and 15th, 2017, 260 Peterson Road. It's got my name on it and my initials. And again, is there a... 223 firearm listed on HH2. Yes, there is. The Wagner's 260 Peterson Road property, which was owned by Jake, is 13 miles from where the rodents were executed. It was at this location that White recovered 22 caliber shell casings that matched the ones found at the crime scene. The Wagners were in Alaska at this time. On the Peterson Road property, a second barn was mid-construction possibly, the BCI suspected, to cover up evidence. Again, Anjanette. In June of 2017, BCI, this was after the Wagners had moved to Alaska, went back to the Peterson Road property where the Wagners had lived. They had sold it in May of 2017, the month prior. And Brian White was like the lead crime scene agent 
on this case. And he said that they went back there with ground penetrating radar, just looking to see if there was anything buried underneath there, under the ground of evidentiary value. I mean, at this point in time, they were still looking for murder weapons. The lead BCI agent, Ryan Scheider, said there was a new barn that was being built and constructed on the Peterson Road property at the time of the homicides, really. I mean, part of the barn had been erected and it was under construction at the time of the homicides and after the homicides. And so BCI had gotten the new owners to text and talk with Jake about this, which stimulated some conversation, if you would, about it. It got George to call Angela. They discussed it. And Angela was very concerned about which barn they were searching. You know, which barn, she kept asking. So they were concerned about the property being searched. And George sounded like he was the one in charge. Like he was the go-between, you know, asking Jake, you know, hey, Jake, which barn is it? Because Angela wanted to know which barn. So it sounded like George was very much the boss in, in that conversation, at least. BCI criminal intelligence analyst Julia Eveslage also took the stand. She intercepted the Wagner's cell phone conversations and also monitored their social media activity. The Wagner's and the rodents had volleyed Facebook blocks back and forth, revealing potential grudges. Focusing on Hannah Roden's Facebook, and as previously mentioned, she was not currently friends with Jake Wagner um, from prior posts or messaging, they were at one point friends, um, but they weren't at the time of the return. Um, she had blocked George Wagner's profile and um, Angela had blocked Hannah Rodin's. Um, there was an assortment of uh, relationships between Tabitha's profiles, um, as there were a number of them, but um, Hannah Rodin and um, Tabitha's most recent account were friends at the time of the return. But in a world where people block each other routinely online, it's hard to know how much weight to give someone pressing a button on Facebook. And Jeanette. I guess if there's some big feud going on and the families are warring with one another, of course you would have somebody blocked. Or maybe you just block somebody because you don't want them snooping on your Facebook. Or maybe you just don't want that person in your business. I don't know. I thought it was strange that George, who claimed Frankie was a good friend, or at least his attorneys have claimed that Frankie was a good friend, that he had Frankie blocked, he had Hannah Mae blocked. Uh, you know, all these different people had each other blocked. Is it indicative of somebody carrying out, out a homicide? I guess it could be. But as far as like who who did what or who planned and covered up, I mean, I'm not sure it's that relevant. Julia Eveslage also played the court a fascinating intercept of George Wagner on the family's journey to Alaska. I thought Julia Eveslage's testimony was interesting when we got to hear George Wagner. You know, it was really the first time we, or one of the first times, I should say, that we heard his voice and we heard that he can become quite agitated. It was after the family had been stopped at the border in Montana and interrogated. And he was putting his son in the car and he was telling his little boy, who was a toddler at this time, those people back there that fed you and played with you, they're liars, they're bad people, they want to want to kill us. And the little boy was saying, no, 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 you know, and things like that. And I'm just thinking to myself, as I'm listening to this, this is a grown man talking to his child, who's a toddler, and telling this child that the people they just 
saw at the border were trying to kill them. And I just found that to be so strange and unbelievable. I couldn't believe that someone would talk to a toddler like that. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. I'm Carol Fisher, and I'm hosting a podcast called The Girlfriends. Back in the 1990s in Las Vegas, a few of us dated the most eligible bachelor in town, Bob. He spoke several languages. He did medical missionary work, and he was Jewish. He was perfect on paper. But he wasn't. He really wasn't. He choked her to the point she went unconscious. Bob could lie about anything. It only takes the one time and somebody ends up dead. Unfortunately for Bob, us girlfriends know how to fight back. I wanted him to pay for his crime. He needed to be put to justice. I'll be honest with you, if I saw him right now, I'd spit on him. I would call him and I would say, I know you killed my sister. I will always hound you and haunt you. You can listen to The Girlfriends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here, host of Revisionist History, a show about the overlooked and the misunderstood. Stories you won't hear anywhere else. Like our ongoing obsessive campaign to blow up the world's most bogus college ranking system. Why not just throw in a few extra zeros? (laughs) Or witness me after years of fancy public speaking, learning that I kind of have to start over. The tone that you had throughout the debate was very similar to some of the students that I do work with. Um, And that's what I teach them not to do. We're making more revisionist history for you this year than ever from places all across this great country. Emergency rooms, huge theaters, small towns, and shooting ranges. And you want to put your thumb up like this. Now you're going to pull the trigger with this finger Mm -hmm. here, okay? Listen to Revisionist History on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From iHeart Podcasts. What in the hell is going on in here? Everyone has their limits. I'd never confronted a situation like this. I just thought it was just a really terrible, immoral thing. A line they won't cross. I was stunned, and I just said, no. We're killing people. You may never have to face that decision. When you find yourself at that line. Thoughts racing, hearts racing. And somebody needs to just, for once, give everybody the whole truth. I'm like, this is evil. And the only person who can sound the alarm is you. I wasn't just going to sit silently by. From iHeart Podcasts, these are the whistleblowers. If you are disloyal. Bad things are going to happen. If you speak out. Disgrace to our country. You will pay. He should be prosecuted. When power corrupts, conscience is the last line of defense. I'm Miles Taylor. Listen to The Whistleblowers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name's Laverne Cox. I'm an actress, producer, fashionista, and host of The Laverne Cox Show. You may remember my award-winning first season. I've been pretty busy, but there's always time to talk to incredible guests about important things. People like me have been screaming for years, we got to watch the Supreme Court. What they're doing is wrong. What they're doing is evil. They will take things away. And I can only hope that Dobbs is that, like, Pearl Harbor moment. Girl, you and I both know what it took to just get through the day in New York City and get home in one piece. 
And so the fact that we're here and what you've achieved and what I've achieved, you know, that's momentous. It's not just us sitting around complaining about some bills. The only reason that you might think, as Chase said, that we're always miserable is because people are constantly attacking us and we're constantly noticing it. Listen to The Laverne Cox Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share. As the round of testimony wrapped up, some observers thought there was still an underwhelming amount of evidence against George Wagner. You know, a lot of times in this case, it feels like they're doing more to convict Jake and Angela than they are George. Now, granted, George is not the main player in this case. The jury really just has to determine whether there's enough evidence to show that George was part of a conspiracy to commit and cover up murders, eight murders. So that's really what they have to prove. Yeah, we all want to know, like, the details The only thing I can see is that they somehow had it in their minds and it almost seemed like a circular thing that they were all feeding off each other thinking they were the only ones who could raise these kids in the way they wanted them raised, whatever way that was. I mean, it it just sounds like it was a very insular life with a lot of yelling, too. More on that next time. For more information on the case and relevant photos, follow us on Instagram at KT underscore studios. The Piketon Massacre is produced by Stephanie Lidecker, Jeff Shane, Alan Weeder, Andrew Arnau, Gabriel Castillo, and me, Courtney Armstrong. Editing and sound design by Jeff Twa. Music by Jared Astin. The Piketon Massacre is a production of iHeartRadio and KT Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
I'm Carol Fisher, and I'm hosting a podcast called The Girlfriends. It's Las Vegas, it's the 1990s, and it is time to find a husband. There were four Jewish doctors who were felt to be eligible bachelors. One of them was Bob Berenbaum. On paper, he was perfect, but in reality... This guy's a wacko. He choked her to the point she went unconscious. I would call him and I would say, I know you killed my sister. You can listen to The Girlfriends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a story of a man who's fascinated me. His name was Sweet Daddy Grace, and that's a name you don't forget. He was a visionary who built a fortune as a black man during Jim Crow, during the Depression. But today, not many people know about him. Erased, sort of wiped out, and I wonder if this was done intentionally. Listen to Sweet Daddy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From iHeart Podcasts and Nomadic Engine, the acclaimed dramatic thriller returns. Aftershock, season two. He's like a ghost. We had an agreement to keep each other's secrets. None of you are making decisions to keep the rest of us safe, which leaves me. I'm asking for your forgiveness. Aftershock, season two, starring Sarah Wayne Callies, David Harbour, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Listen to Aftershock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Sridhar. And I'm Aarti. We have spent the last 20 years building and working at some of the largest companies in the world. We worked with some remarkable people. Rob McElhinney. When I see the people of Wrexham, I grew up exactly like them. Check out the Aarti and Sriram show. That is A-A-R-T-H-I and S-R-I-R-A-M show. Listen to the Aarti and Sriram show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now, the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. 
And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.